violence against them. He had a bigotry, a hatred, a prejudice against them just because uh, they said we're Christians and we're serving God. You know, America's a great nation. Come on. Somebody give me a big amen there. America's a great nation, probably the greatest nation on the planet, and maybe the greatest nation ever. But what is destroying America is hatred, violence, prejudice against one another even now. Prejudice has no skin color. Prejudice affects white people, black people, brown, yellow, and purple, or, or red people. Amen. Prejudice is a demon spirit from hell uh, that has you enraged against someone for no other reason because, but their skin color, their religious background, uh, or where they're from. And that's what we see in our text. Paul was enraged uh, against everybody who wasn't like him. If they wasn't like him, uh, they had a death warrant on him, he was going to serve it. If they wasn't like him, they deserved uh, all the violence and all the, all the rage he can put against them. And sadly to say, in America, that's uh, a lot of what's happening now. Uh, and again, uh, prejudice has no skin color. It's not a black thing, it's not a white thing, a brown thing. It's just the demon spirit uh, that's meant to bring hatred and destroy people's lives. Matthew, or Mark chapter 3, 25, Jesus touches this. He said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Now, if you read this in context, Jesus is exposing Satan's strategy against humanity. Verse 3 of Mark uh, 3, Jesus called disciples to himself and said uh, to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan if a kingdom is divided against itself? That kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan is risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. No man can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first bind the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. In other words, uh, Satan has a, has a stronghold on humanity, and the only way that stronghold can be broken is when somebody stronger than he comes along and breaks it. So in our text, the Bible says Jesus is stronger. Our text, a bright light shines around Paul. They fall to the ground. Uh, he hears a voice from heaven. He gets up. He's blinded. He has to be led by the hand into Damascus. Uh, but when all this happened, Paul said, Who are you, Lord, and what do you want me to do? The moment something stronger come along, uh, Jesus came along. Uh, Paul's rage, his violence, his prejudice, his bigotry, uh, all of that, amen, was living in him. But when Jesus came along, uh, somebody stronger, uh, amen, and revealed himself, there was a conversion that happened. Uh, and Paul said, who are you, Lord, and what do you want me to do? So the truth is, it doesn't matter what your sin is this morning. Uh, You've got to remember, Satan is involved in it. And you're being held hostage to, but Jesus is the stronger uh, Jesus can break uh, whatever chain. He can open prison doors. He can do miracles uh, in the hearts and lives of men and women. Can you say amen? Second thing we see here is sin is deceptive. It doesn't, or it never appears to be what it is. Paul didn't see himself as a hate-filled, bigoted, violent man. 
but he's seen himself as a man doing a work for God. He says this, I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission uh, from the chief priest. So Paul's saying, listen, all this hatred uh, and bigotry uh, in me uh, uh, is justified by God. But how many know that was a lie? That's deception. It is not justified by God. Uh, we see here, sin will blind you to truth. It will have you thinking that you're doing right when you're totally wrong. In Paul's mind, Christianities were bad, or Christians were bad people. Uh, they must pay a price to be tortured and put to death just because they, they're Christian. Just because they're a Christian, that means uh, uh, they need to be wiped out, destroyed, but along the way tortured uh, and and made hum- and humiliated as well. So sin this morning is deceptive. Genesis 3.1, very familiar portion of scriptures. Now the serpent was more uh, cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Have God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, nor touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and it will be like God knowing good and evil. Verse 6. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that she was that it was pleasant to the eye and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. So Eve, uh, like many of us, got talked in uh, to the sin. Uh, she got talked into it. I don't believe that Eve was this wicked person that said, I can't wait to sin, you know. I can't wait to violate this commandment. I can't wait to, uh, to throw my vows under the bus. I don't believe that was true at all. The Bible says she was deceived. Servant, uh, serpent come up beside her and talked her into this. Uh, hey, uh, listen, that tree looks pretty nice. Hey, it tastes good too. Uh, wouldn't it be nice just to, just to hold it in your hand uh, and maybe share it with you? The Bible says she was deceived uh, as she took of this. So sin is deceiving. Sin is never what it offers to be. Sin is never this pleasurable, good, satisfying, joyous thing. Uh, its end result is not that at all. Uh, but sin is very deceptive and it deceives the best of us. Eve was very smart, uh, very brilliant lady, but she was deceived uh, into what she did. You know, don't buy the lightest one that sin is fun. Because the truth is sin is Satan's weapon to destroy humanity. You know, when I was in South Africa, I had a pastor call me one day and inform me that he was leaving his wife and giving up his church. So after the shock, I began to press him for the reasons why. uh, And he said, well, I found a young lady that makes me happier than my wife. And if I get her, we can do more for God uh, than me and my wife are doing right now. Now, that sounds crazy to you and I, right? 20 years of marriage. So I'm putting the brakes and I said, listen, uh, uh, his name's Roger. Listen, Roger, uh, you don't want to do this. Listen, uh, you have a wife that's been standing by your side 20 years. And, uh, but none of it made any sense because he's deceived. He's deceived into thinking that, uh, Man, if I just had her, man, I can go a lot further down the road, be a lot happier. Well, it didn't work out that way. Uh, you fast forward some years, he's miserable. Uh, 
His children uh, uh, basically have nothing to do with him. It's a horrible life. But, she, but he was deceived. And that's what sin does. Deceives you saying, hey, uh, I can fulfill a need. I can be joy, enjoyable. Three, we see. Jesus, uh, said, or, or saying yes to Jesus doesn't only break the strongholds of Satan and sin on your life, uh, but gives you authority, power, and dominion over sin. You know, Paul never went back to the sin that held him in bondage. You read about his life, Paul never went back uh, to bigotry, hatred, never went back to prejudice, he never went back to that, uh, Romans 5.20, where sin abounds, grace, he wrote this, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more, so that as sin reigns to in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternity eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, he's saying the power of God that leads to righteousness and eternal life is more powerful than any sin, past, present, or future. He said, listen, uh, when I found Jesus Christ, when Jesus came into my heart, uh, that's the most powerful thing that ever happened in my life. Uh, it gave me authority over everything that I used to do. I didn't have to go back to any of that. Uh, so if a believer traffics in the sin after salvation, it's not because he couldn't say no. It's because he let it happen. Romans 6, Paul writes this as well. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God for sin shall have no dominion over you, for you're not under the law but under grace. Paul said, listen, uh, when you get saved, uh, a more powerful Jesus Christ comes into your life, uh, binds the strong man, uh, breaks the power, though, and gives you a brand new set of power here. Let's look, secondly, being converted. You know, spiritual conversion is more... Or spiritual conversion is when your experience with Christ changes your life. Or it's when your experience with Christ changes your life. Matthew 18, 3. Jesus said, unless you be, are converted and become as little children, you, by no means, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So the issue isn't, uh, I just prayed, but the issue is, are you changed? So the issue isn't, yeah, I prayed and asked Jesus Christ in my heart one day, uh, and I ain't belittling that at all, but the issue is, uh, have you had a conversion? Has that changed your life? Are you a different person? So spiritual conversion uh, is when the experience uh, that you have with Jesus at their premium changes your life. Jesus said, unless you're converted, uh, you have no part of the kingdom of God. So let's look at conversion here. In our text at midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me, and those who journeyed with me, verse 14. And we all had fallen to the ground. I heard a voice speaking to me, saying, in Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goats. And so it was where, uh, verse 15, so I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So this experience with Christ, brighter light uh, than the sun, falling to the ground, a voice from heaven, uh, 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 
made a conversion point here. It changed his life. Uh, I mean, it completely changed his world, uh, direction of his life, his purpose in life. Uh, everything changed at this point. It was a conversion. The word conversion means changed. Uh, this experience changed Paul's life. It says, rise up, stand on your feet, uh, for I have appeared to you uh, for this purpose, to make a minister and a witness, uh, both to the things you have heard and the things I will reveal to you. So, Paul, think about this. This is what, how, how it happens with you and I. We come to the church filled with sin and righteousness. We've lived that, that life, but we meet Jesus. A conversion happens. Now, our whole purpose of life is different. I mean, everything has changed. That's what salvation is. It's a, an experience that causes a conversion. Uh, we're totally different. Our life is not the same. Uh, we're running a whole different direction now. Two, we see, not everyone has a conversion like Paul. Amen. From zero to 60 in 12 seconds. Not everybody's like that. I get it. But God does do a miracle in us at salvation that in its nature will bring change and sometimes radical change. Now, when I got saved and I some friends get saved, uh, yeah, we were all changed, but not equally. I mean, it was a radical change in my life. And I went from uh, all this to all that. It seemed like oh, in a day. I had some friends that, yeah, they got saved, they got changed, uh, but it wasn't, uh, they didn't run as fast, so to speak. But listen, there was a change, a, a conversion. You know, the fuller meaning of conversion is a process of change. In other words, every day we should be becoming more like Christ in desires, wants, and hopes, uh, and we should be representing Christ in the kingdom of God uh, more each day. So conversion is, uh, I'm going to become more like Christ every day. Uh, in my mind, in my thoughts, and just how I live life, uh, uh, my whole purpose, my focus is different. Uh, I'm a Christian now. You know, Romans 12 tells us that we have a part to play in how converted we will be. Paul says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But he starts off with, present your bodies. In other words, this is up to you. How converted you are, how your conversion is going to uh, minister and affect people is a lot up to you and I. We have something to say about this. Let me say it this way. You know, as you go to the Outer, Burn, outer Banks area, you see fields full of uh, turbines. I mean, these big windmills, you see them, I mean, these big old blades just spinning, and, and you know, they're, they're spinning, and, you know, they're, what's happening is that wind, that windmill, uh, uh, that wind energy is making mechanical power. As, the, as that windmill catches the, the wind and it's turning, what's happening? There's a conversion going on. Uh, now it's, it's wind energy, but now it's going to be mechanical power. And the faster that them turbines turn, the faster they go, I mean, just the more uh, converted power is going to be there. But as, as, as I'm driving there, I'm looking at that, I look across there, there's always some not turning. You, you ever notice that? I mean, there'd be some, I mean, just going 100 miles an hour and right beside it. I'm like, how does that happen? 
Uh, so I begin to look this up. I study why is that? It kind of bothered my mind. Uh, so, um, so they need about nine mile, nine mile an hour of wind. Uh, uh, then blades need to catch it. But for some reason, uh, some blades just don't catch the drift. Don't catch the wind. And so what's happening, they're not producing any converted power. They're, they look good for a second, I guess. Uh, but there's nothing really going on in them because they're not catching the wind. Uh, you know, changing the kingdom of God comes by catching uh, what God is doing in the house of God. The more involved we are, the faster the blades will spin. Uh, and the faster the blades spin, the more conversion uh, that we're going to see. Uh, so what's turning the natural is then blades are turning uh, and converting wind power into mechanical energy. Uh, the same happens to the believer in the church, as Paul said. Present yourself a certain way. So as we're catching what God is doing, we're involving ourselves uh, in the things of God. We're like that. That, that turbine is catching the wind, man, and we're, we're producing. But if we don't catch anything, if we're not catching what God is doing. Uh, uh, we're just like this uh, in the church. Listen, you're not going to change. You're going to be looking at everybody funny. How come they're worshiping? Uh, how come they're excited about outreach, excited about this young adult class? Uh, and you, don't, you just don't get it. Well, you're not catching the wind. So conversion is a lot up to you. God will do the miracle, but you've got to catch what he's doing here. So the big question is, how converted are you, or are you converted? Have you had an experience that you can look at like Paul? Paul is telling King Agrippa, listen, uh, when I was on the road to Damascus, I had an experience. I had an experience with God, man, light, and I can see him telling the story, man, a light come from heaven to shine, brighter than the sun, we couldn't look at it. Uh, I mean, we all fell to the ground, the heavy presence of God, uh, we're laying on the ground, uh, I hear a voice, I ignore the voice, uh, uh, and I am Jesus, whom you are. I had an experience with God, and that experience changed my life, Paul's telling the story. Can you tell the story? Have you had an experience? Have you came to an altar? Has God made himself real? Uh, has he changed your life? Are you involved in the things of God? Uh, are you producing anything? Uh, what does your uh, conversion look like? Paul's spiritual blades begin to catch the wind of the kingdom of God. He, told, he said this, I've appeared, uh, God said, I've appeared to you for this purpose, to make a minister and a witness both the things you have seen, the things I will show you. And, and that began to be Paul's life. As you follow the book of Acts and, and all the other books in the New Testament, I mean, it's Paul's story of conversion. What he did after conversion, I mean, the life he lived, uh, the impact he made, it's like this wind uh, uh, power, amen, he converted it, or God converted it uh, into this uh, energy that, was productive in the house of God. People got saved. Disciples rose up. Cities, nations were touched. Uh, but uh, have you had a conversion? What's your story this morning? Look, lastly here, fulfilling destiny. How many believe God has a purpose for your life? You know, it's like your baby. Uh, it don't know a whole lot in the first couple years. It just knows you need to feed him. And you need to change his diaper. 
Yeah, how do you say thank you? Wake you up at all the wrong hours at night, pukes on you, poops on you, pees on you, uh, and doesn't even ever say sorry, right? That's a baby. <laughs> and, and we love them anyway, right? We love them, change their diaper, take care. Because we know one day they're not going to be doing that anymore. We know one day they're going to grow up and we're going to be so proud of them. They're going to be in school, going to get some good grades uh, and going to produce something in life, uh, be a blessing. We know that. Amen. We parents, uh, we know that. So, uh, amen, we just uh, love our kids as they grow. Amen. But listen, uh, uh, amen, there's a destiny that God has for each and every of us. And we know that when our kids are born as well. Uh, uh, our hope is that, listen, uh, they will fulfill a destiny. They will become something, someone, uh, especially in the house of God, do something for God. In our text here, Paul is years down the road from the day of his conversion. And he says to King Agrippa, probably 40 years down the road here, verse 19, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to uh, the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do the works benefiting repentance. All these years down the road, he said, man, I haven't been disobedient. I'm fulfilling the purpose, the destiny that God had called me to. Uh, remember, rise, stand on your feet. Uh, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. And, and he sent, he's saying this years down the road, uh, I've not been disobedient to that. In other words, I've been committed to this destiny, this calling that God has put before me. We have a purpose in the kingdom. It's more than just coming to church, but we have a purpose uh, we need to find that purpose, God. What do you want for my life? Uh, and then commit to that. Paul said, I've not been disobedient, uh, but I've been committed to this. Paul's been busy working, laboring, and doing something for God. You know, fulfilling destiny takes this. I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. If you're going to fulfill destiny, you can't be disobedient. Two... Whatever the heavenly vision is that God has put in your heart takes everything. It takes 100%. Uh, it has to be your heart, your life, your passion, and your desire. If you're going to do something for God, it can't be a sideshow. If you're going to do something for God, it takes everything you are. Uh, it takes your heart, your life, uh, your passions. But listen, uh, it's the best thing you can do. Genesis 12, we see this verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out from your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's his calling. He gets a calling from God. Uh, that calling begins to burn in his heart, begin to be a passion, uh, God speaks to him. Right? God will speak to you and I during the service. Uh, uh, God will speak to you about a calling, a destiny, uh, and what you do with that. So this began to burn in Abraham's heart. Verse 4, we see the outcome. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. 75 years old. Come on. He hears from God. 
God speaks to him at 75 years old. Uh, he takes his wife, his, uh, 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 his nephew, Lot, and, and everything he's uh, accumulating in life and begins to go across the desert on camels and donkeys uh, at 75 years old. Some of you, hey, I ain't, I ain't going to get a nice hotel conference. I ain't going. I mean, he's 75 years old. He's able to get a passion for the things of God and pay the price for doing it. Three, let me ask you, has God given you a heavenly vision? Has God spoke to you about a ministry? Has God given you a lane to run in, uh, put something in your heart to do for him? Uh, If not, you need to pray about it. Ask your pastor, ask me about it. Uh, and then be fully obedient to it. Second Timothy 4, the same Paul, he's at the end of his life. He's one had the heavenly vision. He says this at the end of his life. I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. But look what he says here. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Oh, if we can all say that at the end of the day. We get to the end of life and we look back on the will of God and say, man, I did it right. I wasn't disobedient, but I committed myself. I served God. I did the will of God. Uh, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. Uh, I mean, if we can all say that, hallelujah. And that's my goal this morning that, listen, we would all uh, get a conversion. Amen. That's more powerful than our sin. Uh, that God would make Himself so real to us, uh, so real to you this morning, that that would, uh, that would be more powerful than any sin that you've ever had. And, and you begin to run that trail. That's what true conversion is. Uh, the change of life. God, I'm going after that. And Paul says, I was totally committed to it. Uh, at the end of his life, he has a great testimony. I fought it through. I haven't departed uh, from it. Uh, and... And I've finished the race. Kept the faith. Now I want to challenge you this morning. If you're in sin, uh, listen, uh, it has no good ending. Listen to the word of God. Let God invade this morning. Let God give you a conversion. Maybe some of you are religious. You prayed a prayer before, but there's been no real change. You need a conversion. Let God make himself so real to you this morning uh, that you have a conversion. Be like one of them turbines. Uh, I mean, just begin to spin for the Lord. Right? And others, amen, maybe you've had a conversion, but Paul said, I haven't been disobedient. Some of you said, you know, I need, I need to get back on track. Right? Just bow our head this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. In the house of God, just give me a couple more minutes. The truth is we find in Scripture that God